with a time of 2 hours, 10 minutes, and 37 seconds. Gerald Mock crossed the line as the second American at last week's Chicago Marathon. Gerald's finish made him an instant contender for the U.S. Olympic team and capped his rise from relative unknown to blue-collar standout at Colorado State University and now Olympic hopeful. Gerald joined us for a phone conversation this week. We discussed running, music, facial hair, and much more. Benji and I think you'll love Gerald's transparency about his training and his humble spirit. Now on to our interview with Gerald Mock. So, Gerald, a lot of our listeners are from the South Carolina area. They may not be too familiar with you. Could you give them yeah. just a little background of, like, how you got into the sport and your sort of progression? Yeah, just, like, from the, from the get-go of running? From yeah, the, man. Okay. Yeah, so I grew up in Logan, Utah, so it's not too far away from where I am now. Um, and started running, I guess, a little bit in middle school, but I didn't really latch on to it until probably – early high school, I think my freshman year of high school, I, was, I started running cross country and I was pretty lousy. I think I was running like 22 or 21 minute 5Ks um, that first year. I think my best time was like in the 21 minutes. So <laughs> not up to like a great start, um, but- uh, You're giving us all hope. And I just, what's that? I said, you're giving us all hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, for whatever reason, I, I stuck with it, probably because I was just kind of pretty crummy at other sports that I tried to do <laughs> was, I tried doing soccer for a while and just that didn't that, that didn't pan out very well so uh yeah it was kind of I guess the, the thing I found that I felt like I was I was good at even though maybe I wasn't running all that fast <laughs> um, I, I just kind of like got that that competitive spirit going in me which maybe the other sports didn't uh, didn't do so much and then uh so through high school I just started kind of gaining momentum um slowly started shaving time off i think like gradually worked up in you know 18 minute and 17 minute 5k times in cross country and um working on the track i think by the end my best time on the track was like maybe 917 for the two mile and that was my junior year of high school um and then i got hurt my senior year but um luckily at that point i like decided that I wanted to keep running in college um, so I was kind of looking around I didn't do a super thorough look at like all the different running programs I really didn't know much about you know what programs were strong or had a history or you know those that I did know if I wasn't sure if I'd be able to get on their team or whatever but I knew I kind of wanted to stay in the mountain area um, but also to to kind of see somewhere new other than Utah, so uh, it's Colorado State seemed like a great fit, um, and that's where I still am now, living in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, so I went to Colorado State all five years that I had elig- eligibility, working with Art Seamers, who's still my coach, um, and he was a big part of the reason I decided to go to CSU, uh, because I looked up, he had just moved to CSU from coaching Colorado School of Mines, 
in Golden, Colorado, and he had completely turned their program around, um, their Division Two program. Um, so I kind of did some digging on what he did for their program, and when I realized he was coming to CSU, I thought it was a great opportunity to kind of jump on. So I was, I think, among his first recruiting class that he had. So I think he came in the year before, but just kind of had the guys he had, and then I was the first year he was actually recruiting. So, um, and he he put together a great team and um it was really fun to be kind of part of some momentum in csu because um, they weren't they weren't doing so great the years before and so to be part of his momentum and kind of turning turning the csu uh, cross-country team around especially was really exciting um <laughs> especially being with a lot of guys who were kind of like you know good runners but but kind of averages but like as far as division one goes like definitely not like superstars you know some of the older guys on the team were you know local guys from fort collins who were running you know 10 flat or just under you know or in the higher nine minutes for the two mile and so it was it's cool just to have success kind of come from the attitude and the culture of the program rather than recruiting power and i think that really like was a was an exciting thing that we we took a lot of pride in so yeah just moving through college i kind of started Cross country, obviously, it was the first season. I, I think I redshirted that year, but I um, ran my true freshman year in indoor and outdoor track, and you know, trying my best to contribute to conference scoring and things like that. But I wasn't running all that fast. Uh, I didn't make regionals or nationals or anything like that in track, um, and just slowly kind of kept kept getting better, building fitness, um, just kind of going through the program. It took some adjustment, running more miles in high school. I think I was running. Uh, maybe like 30, 35 miles a week, so not much. Um, and kind of throughout my college career, ramping that up into the and during the base phases, running a hundred or more a week. Um, so uh, our program was definitely really, really mileage focused. I feel like um, Seamers was was big on high mileage, <laughs> especially at for for altitude programs. And again, kind of like high school, I think I ran my best 10k time my second to last last year uh, but I wasn't hurt my senior year I just my, I think my 10k PR came from a Stanford meet where things were just really put together nicely like this perfect weather perfect pacing and everything and so I was able to run 28 11 there and that's still my PR I'm hoping to get that down someday but <laughs> and that last year was a little disappointing I made it to regionals but um, I had made it to outdoor nationals the year before but I didn't uh, make it out of regionals that last year um just kind of like a letdown like I wanted to go out like strong and, and be at the championships so to not make it was a bummer but the, the upshot I guess is that it like really helps me decide that I wanted to keep running after college because before that I was kind of on the fence and I just knew like that I, you know that I hadn't I hadn't finished you know showing everything I could do um, and so that it was a big motivator to to keep running and my coach was really excited to try and coach me into, into the road scene with some longer distances. That's something we had suspected might be a better fit for me anyways. Um, so, um, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I did, I've graduated in May 2018 and kind of had a year of just trying to get, get accustomed to the road scene. And it was, I mean, everything's kind of been pointing towards the marathon. And so Chicago was my first, first crack at the marathon there. So, so you go from, 22 minute 5k guy when he got started to 210 marathoner pretty special progress 
Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at Chicago. And part of the reason that we're huge fans of yours is you're still a young pup and you jumped into marathoning. Yeah. We know that's been the trend that has been really successful for a lot of East Africans, but you don't see it as commonly here. So before we dive into the actual race, you just mentioned that you felt like you were built for success in the marathon. Could you describe that a little bit and why you chose to go ahead and jump up to Houston where you ran a little over 62 and a half and then yeah. follow it up with Chicago? Yeah, I think I think the biggest indicators were just that, I mean, for starters, just, just meshing well with um, my coach's coaching style of, of higher mileage and altitude. And that, that kind of gave me exposure to these long runs that we do, especially long run tempos. That was kind of a big component. And I, I just realized like, you know, I could hold, I could hold my own on the hard track workout from the, sh- the short, fast stuff, but felt like I just, I really had, my strengths were rooted in these, these long run tempo days. Um, and so that I guess was kind of an indicator to me and, and him that, you know, that, that was kind of the direction to go. Um, he thought he was like, Oh man, like you'd be, I think well suited for the marathon because it seems like you can just like run these paces for like you know however long I however long I make the long run tempo and so I think that was kind of like the clue but obviously I, I had a lot of doubts until I had done one I mean I had a lot of doubts before Houston and then when that went okay starting to wrap my mind around the marathon was was tough and um, but uh, it just was kind of a process to work up to it and keep building miles and um, extending those workouts a little bit longer to get comfortable with, with that kind of volume. So, Sure. So what were the goals going into Chicago? <laughs> um, I think I, I definitely lowballed like <laughs> my, what my coaches thought my goals were, I guess. But I, I, I was going to be happy with anything under 214, mainly because I just, I've heard so many like bad stories about you know people's first shot at the marathon and it's just such a foreign thing i mean it's the first time it's a, a distance that you've never like you often haven't ever really run like my longest run i think was 23 or 24 miles so just like having that in the back of your head is just like kind of a con like a constant thing eating at your your confidence of it just like i haven't even like run that far like what business do i have like running this fast pace for that long so i don't know it just it took it took some took some time for me to like think that it was to believe it was, it was a distance I could handle I guess. <laughs> so knowing that you went in with 214 as a number in the back of your head for you and your coach obviously that went well what were the adjustments mid-race uh, I mean what knowing that there was a big pack of American guys who ran really well at Chicago which is crazy exciting for all of us yeah. How were you feeling this through the race? Uh, take us through maybe some mental, physical checkpoints you had, just how you adjusted to this pace that was significantly faster than maybe the baseline you had set. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I guess a, a quick clarification is, like, I, I wasn't necessarily, like, shooting for 214, but I, I thought I could run under that. So I kind of left sure. it a little open-ended, and I knew, I knew the pacers were going out, you know, a little over – little over like 65 and and I thought that would maybe be a little too hot for me and I knew that a lot of the guys I like to run with like like Parker and Noah and um you know that that I've been close to in in races like Houston or the 20k champs I I knew that their PRs were a little off that too so I was I knew I would have to kind of feel it out 
uh, I mainly just wanted to run with those guys because they had more experience in the marathon, and I didn't have any. So I, my plan was just to kind of sit back and watch and stay close to them and, and kind of stay out of trouble. And so it took me a while to realize that we were that we were running running that faster pace and we were, we were rolling with the pacers. And it, it took a second to kind of realize that, that we were all kind of like – out of our depth, like out of our depth, and doing something new, Just a and that was oh, triggered my triggered my phone there. <laughs> was that Siri giving us directions to your place in Fort Collins? I think so. Yeah, I said <laughs> the magic S word there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just to to realize everyone was a little out of their depth, but was excited to to try it, and and that things were going well. Um, I just decided to go with it, and again, like through over half of it, I just tried to stay out of trouble and kind of watch the guys who had who had done it before. But I, I really, I, I tried not to think about the pace too much, and I think I had kind of, I had kind of uh, like convinced myself that 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 pace felt a lot worse than it had. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think kind of going in with low confidence as far as running like a two eleven something pace or a two ten something pace was was kind of a blessing in the end because I, once I realized how that it was manageable, it was a huge relief instead of just uh, going for it and be like, oh man, this hurts, like this is hard. Like I was expecting it to, to really be awful from the gun and, and to when we were able to just set it, settle into a nice rhythm, it was really just a tremendous relief. <laughs> that I think a big part of that feeling, uh, that pace feeling smooth was having so many guys to run, run with and next to and so, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, getting geeky for a second. Uh, what did nutrition yeah. look like for you out there? Uh, during, like during the race yeah, or just yeah. through the building? During the race. Um, so, yeah, during the race, I, I used, um, I think, Martin and, and Cytomax were kind of my main fluids, mostly Martin. Uh, I was originally, uh, that's something that took, that was a totally foreign concept to me um, <laughs> with like the marathon because I'd never really had to fuel during races before at all. And so, I wasn't really sure, like, even as I was filling up my bottles, I was, like, trying to figure out, like, like, what do I want and what? Like, is this going to screw me over? Or, like, and I eventually was just, like, uh, like, pick something and, and turn them in and, and be happy with it. But knowing that it's going to be cooler weather, I kind of cut back on the Cytomax bottles I was thinking I was going to use because I just thought I wasn't going to be sweating that much. So I kind of I went more with Martin because I figured, like, I was going to be trying to keep warm and, um, it's mostly mostly calories as after um, more than anything I th- and I, I taped a couple caffeine gels to um, I think like 15k and 25k bottles um, and I tried to get as much of that down I, I'm not a big gel guy so it was kind of a like I put them on there and like thought like if you can't do it you can't do it just <laughs> discard it but I was able to get a little down so can you give us a few highlights from the training block that led up to it? You know, what were keys for you? Maybe some workouts or just the consistency, the mileage, anything that you thought was really critical in moving towards this 210 finish in Chicago? Yeah. So a lot of it, um, I, w- I was surprised with how similar things were to what I was doing in college. Uh, it was definitely different. There's some tweaks, but it's mostly like a lot, you know, a little longer repeats on on interval type days with and a little longer long runs and a little slower pace 
on, on some of the repeats. So the pace would go down, but the repeat itself would be longer and we'd do more of them. And then the other big one was some of those long run tempos, which we didn't, I didn't do too many, but those were really good benchmarks, like for me to know where I was at and how the training was going. And so those looked like, I think we did, a, uh, the first one was 24 miles total with like 10 miles of just regular, you know, long run pace, pretty easy. And then the last, and then we do like 12 miles of tempo, kind of trying to work down from. 5.30 down to 5 flat or something, um, and then some cool-down miles. So, and then the other one we did similar was, uh, I think, like, three miles of warm-up, then six miles at, like, six flat pace, and then eight miles of 5.30 pace, and then a few of, like, trying to run under, like, at finishing with, like, three miles of, like, trying to run under five-minute pace, and then some cool-down. So those were... I don't know if they were necessarily big in terms of building that fitness, but they were re- they really gave me a lot of confidence going into it, and they were really good indicators. It was kind of the only the, the closest taste I could get to like what the marathon was going to be like. Because again, that you know I wasn't running 26 miles, and so um, and I especially wasn't doing it you know running hard the whole time. But getting something where at least you know half the long run was was at this intense pace and being at altitude, it kind of had to just like just believe that you know that was buying me some favors too um so as far as interval workouts that were big i think we did um some of these combination workouts where we did um like a four or six mile tempo and then maybe three minutes rest and then like eight by 45 second hill um and then about three minutes rest and then six to eight of like 90 seconds on minute off. So it's kind of like a tempo hills fart like combo all, all in one. Um, and that's something I feel like we'd hammer like once every two weeks or so. Um, and that just, it was, it was similar to those longer tempos because it, you know, the volume ends up being pretty big for the day actually, but it's, it's broken up and you can, you can handle hotter paces for each little segment. And hills, hills, I think is the last piece that my coach is pretty big on hills, especially early in the block. Um, so that was something I was sure to, to get in um, once a week at least early in the block, and sometimes we'd incorporate them later um, or, or do just our straight tempo runs on courses that were kind of rolling hills um, to emphasize that. But. Yeah, so if nothing else, at least some confidence for the uncharted waters you were going into with the quality of work late in runs and some of those longer workouts. Yeah, yeah just getting to where you could finish and, and not be completely useless for the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, we know you went into this race without a sponsor. It is our mission on this podcast to make sure this man has a sponsor. <laughs> Have you been getting any feelers? Who's sniffing around? Yeah, Have they been reaching I, out? I don't, yeah, I, I definitely, as far as the actual brands go, I don't really know. I didn't have any kind of agent or anything before either. Um, I'm free if you need somebody. Just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, that's been uh, a steep learning curve, uh, especially right after Chicago because um, just a, a lot of – suddenly I, I was in contact with all these different agents that I hadn't heard of before. and <laughs> I just kind of realized that that's 
really like it's not impossible to get a deal without one, but it really seems to be it really seems to be key, especially I think for especially for someone like me who doesn't um, I don't I don't have like the most active social media presence or things like that. It's, so it's hard to it's hard to really sell yourself to to those companies and reach out and, and to know who to talk to in the first place. So that was kind of the first step for me, and um, I'm working with with uh, Josh Cox now, and so awesome. very cool. We can um, we can uh, get something together, but yeah, I don't I don't really know. We're, we're, that's still kind of innocent, so I don't have a you know I haven't been talking to any specific brands or anything like that yet. So we're just gonna kind of see what see what we can get back and, and go from there. So. Well, two things to that. One, I think the results speak for themselves. What you've done over the past year and I know you said you're not big on social media, but you, you're proving yourself out there and very deserving. <laughs> and two is if this falls through and nobody comes, Seconds Flat Podcast is here. We got singlets ready to put your name right on there, man. So <laughs> we're excited for you. Now, we're assuming the trials are next, but could you give us a little more background on what's next? Yeah, yeah. So the trials are the big goal. I, I really like having a tune-up race, though, so I'll probably do Houston again. Oh, cool. uh, this year, the half, just because um, I don't know, it, it helps me kind of deal with like the, the the pressure of a really important race like that. Um, I don't really want that to be my next race, especially after a race like Chicago that that rent, went really well. Um, I think it's it's easy to kind of have a tendency to rewrite history in your brain after a really good race, and you, you all of a sudden know every memory is rewritten as it's like oh it was easy or like it was a piece of cake and so you, you forget like all the work that goes into it um and how hard it really is to do and so i really like having a tune-up race for that reason just to just to stay fresh on racing to stay sharp and to, to just remember you know how much racing can hurt um and it's a really good it's timed really well to to kind of check in with my training and make sure i don't have to make some minor tweaks and things like that um not that I like am and like a genius uh, on doing that stuff, but I, I, my coach at least I can tell him how I feel, and he's like, "Okay, like here's what we'll do." So I'm, I feel really fortunate to not have to make those decisions myself because there's a lot of weeks in a buildup that are that are tough where you just you feel bad, and it's nice to you know have somebody kind of masterminding it or, or telling you like this week you should feel like shit, like that's that's the idea, and so. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think Houston's kind of on the radar next, um, just just to make sure things are going right and to to kind of take some pressure off the trials too, and, and you know stay sharp on racing. So. so continuing to look ahead, Hermit Commune, what does the future <laughs> hold? <laughs> I didn't expect you guys to know about that. Dude, big fans. <laughs> So for, for the, um, the uninitiated Hermit Commune is Mr. Mock's hard-hitting band. They are sweeping the nation, and we want to know a few things here. As, as Ben said, where's the music going? But also, can we expect a tour date somewhere in our part of the country soon? What's the word? Here in town. <laughs> uh, come to Greenville, we'll have you. We'll get you a gig. Yeah, uh, it's a fun project, and I I love having like things outside of running, like to do and and as outlets. So having those guys is great, and it's nice to like 
it's easy to get sucked into running and obviously that's that's my my main priority um right now but um to you know to have have good friends that that aren't runners and like i can i just that's not a relevant topic all the time or (laughs) something to stress about is is, um really nice and it's just a, a great outlet to have on the side so we're definitely not like you know that that uh we're not like a star group or anything. <laughs> Obviously, we, we uh, a little rough for sure, but it's we just have a lot of fun and it's just a, a real positive energy thing to do. So <laughs> sweet. Well, that balance that you just talked about is so critical for anyone who is so engrossed in an endeavor as you are with competitive running, and all of us have run, as runners need to keep that in mind. But but anyone who spends so much time trying to master a skill like you are that that's got to have great value for you to create balance yeah i i think they they go together really well in my mind um so um and that's just that's just something that's important to me personally i I know for some people running's running's enough and that's you know that is their outlet from something else like their, their job or or whatever but um where you know, I, I and I do like have another job, but uh, where running is kind of the, the forefront of, you know, what's what's exciting or where I, where I'm not, you know, sure where I'm going. Uh, it's it's really important to me to have some other outlets like that. So, <laughs> so keeping it light. Do you have any pets? Because we've heard some talk about dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't have any here. I, I grew up. Uh, a lot of animals around at, at, at my folks' house. We raised dairy goats and, and chickens and turkeys, and uh, maybe those are the dinosaurs. That, the I, I think those turkeys <laughs> are what we saw. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, that's something I really enjoyed growing up. Um, unfortunately, it's a little hard in my current current situation, rent, renting a house and things like that. I, I'd love to have a, a dog or some some chickens or something, but uh, oh, oh, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> get, get back to the basics eventually. <laughs> what about a nickname? We want to crown you with some really sick nickname, but we didn't know what you already have, so <laughs> what are the guys on the team calling you? Oh, man, I don't know if that's a good nickname. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they call me J-Holes. <laughs> 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 no, I don't know if that's got the, the, the ring to it that you, that you guys are looking for, but I, I don't really have a nickname, to be honest. That was not quite what we expected, but I liked it, yeah. <laughs> looking ahead to the trials then, to kind of get us back on track here, what kind of goals do you have now for that? I, I know it's early, and it's probably been hard to reflect completely on the Chicago experience and the build-up. But knowing that you ran such a great race and you have to allow yourself to think that you are at least in the mix for this Olympic team. Yeah. um, And that's, I mean, yeah, that's definitely still setting in um, because that that wasn't really a goal that could have ever really been on the table until after Chicago. So that's like something I need to, you know, learn how to grapple with throughout this next block. Uh, which hasn't even begun yet. I'm still I'm still on break though. But yeah, I, I think it's it's really exciting for me just because um, you know I, I think a lot of 
distance runners who have some some successes here and there maybe that it's a you know a little bit of a, a dream somewhere in the depths of your brain that you know and you get a few successes and maybe it turns into a little spark or something but it's never really been like something that seemed like a legitimate goal to ever have on the table um and that as chicago definitely kind of changed that for me like all of a sudden it's like you know a, a, there's a few less stars that maybe have to align like <laughs> i mean still a lot, a lot has to come together for something like that obviously um just on the date but yeah just to just to have have it on the table is is a, a really new thing and, and really exciting too so but that being said i think i you know i really want to try and stick to the basics with with my training and not get too not get too gung-ho about it i mean it is like you say it is so early and the trick's really just going to be you know for me to survive another another build up without without setbacks um which i've been pretty lucky with but i mean it's it's hard to a marathon build up always is is hard on the body so um i think that's that's the first step <laughs> yeah and staying on the topic of the trials it's going to be at atlanta it's going to be right. a little hilly um, yeah. Based off your cross success, that kind of seems ideal for you. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's a hope I have in the back of my mind. I, I feel like I've been hills hills have usually been a strength for me. Um, over the last few road races I've have like I've had I, I feel like you know those are points where I try and make I've try I try to make my move and uh, obviously back in college you know courses cross country courses that were hillier really favored me. Um, like like React, we had a conference meet in, in Reno that was like on the side of a mountain one year. <laughs> like it just really, it was the most ridiculous course I'd seen. But so usually usually that's something I can I can try and work to my advantage. And so I, I hope that's the hope that's the case in Atlanta. But again, I mean it's a different race, and uh, I think the marathon just is a really humbling event. And and so um, it's, you know, I don't really know what you know, prepping the hills is going to look like it over, over a marathon because you're just, you're pacing it differently and it's just, it's just such a long grind. So but I'm hoping, you know, in the long term, it, it shouldn't be that different. <laughs> uh, how long is this break going to be before you start up again? Um, so it, it's about over. I think like my coach said, it takes 10, 10 days to two weeks. Um, so thinking about maybe going for a little baby run tomorrow. Um, that'll be about, 10 days um so I, I like to i like to start off really slow so my tendencies to kind of maybe start earlier but i mean it barely counts as starting um you know i'll probably just do like three to five miles or something or maybe even just every other day like five miles or something like that just to kind of slowly ease back into it i feel like that's when i'm definitely i know like for me personally i'm the most vulnerable to injuries right as i'm coming back I've had some Achilles issues in the past, and that's something that like it tends to be stiffer and, and take some time to work or get back into running uh, after a long break. And so, so yeah, I'll probably start in the next day or two, but just just barely, and um, I'll probably have you know at least three weeks of just just mileage without workouts before we really start doing anything. So, uh, you training with anybody who's going to be in Atlanta? Yeah, so um, I mostly train with two other guys here. Um, Andrew Epperson, he, he just ran um, the World Championships in Doha. Um, his, I think he's ran 213, something that 
at a marathon in, in Japan. So we tra- we train together a lot just because he's um, he, he already has some marathon experience, and he was originally going to do Chicago with me. Then he had the opportunity to do do Worlds, so he obviously uh, <laughs> obviously wanted to do that. But we were really fortunate that the races were so close in timing because our, our build up was pretty much identical. Um, he just started his taper a week earlier or something, and uh, I think he did like a two week taper. I did the full three week taper. Um, but anyway, so he'll he'll be he'll probably do Houston with me as well, and then he'll definitely be at the trials. Um, the other guy, uh, Grant Fisher, um, everyone's like the other Grant Fisher. Yeah, Fort <laughs> Collins native. Um, we ran together at CMPU, and we're the same grade, so we uh, we graduated at the same time, and kind of got into to post collegiate running together. We, we were living together at the time um, as roommates, so um, we just had our had our coach uh, keep writing our training, and <laughs> luckily he agreed to it. And uh, and so he, he's hoping he doesn't have a trials qualifier yet, um, but he's going to run Houston um, with us. So all three of us are, are planning to do Houston right now, and we're hoping that Grant can get his, his trial standard there, and all three of us can go to the trials. But um, on paper right now, me and Epper, me and Andrew Everson will, will, will be there. So. Can you follow up on that three-week taper you mentioned? Just describing yeah. that from the perspective of where you peaked on mileage and then how you dialed that back over the course of three weeks. Yeah, so my biggest my biggest mileage week was right before that taper started, I think. Um, I was shooting for like 112 to 115 that week, um, but I realized I kind of like screwed up and when I added like the, the days differently like so instead of like su- Monday to Sunday I added up from the previous Sunday to that Saturday and I had like hit 120 actually that week because just my long run positioning was a little different so but that was my biggest week during the buildup um it was 120 and that was and then the next week I, I started tapering back and um we did a three-week taper this time just because it, it was my first marathon and you know we were pretty invested in and, and it being a good race, and um, so, and that you know, I didn't really know how I was going to handle that that big week that I had just done too, um, and that was that was also the week that I had my last long run tempo that I was talking about. That um, was like twenty four miles, working the pace down. So, I think I think the three week taper was good. I I hate tapering personally. Like, I, I think it's really useful, but I just. You just, I feel so crappy during it. Mm-hmm. Um, like <laughs> we always joke about it, we call it uh, a taper tantrum because <laughs> like inevitably you just start feeling sore and like you're getting hurt and you don't feel fit because you're not smashing workouts all the time and you're not just running tons of miles. And I, I got I got sick during that window and was like kind of fighting that off right up until like the week before but all of that i think is really typical of a taper i think i think most most people get sick during their taper or have pains that stress them out but maybe maybe i'm exaggerating but your body's just trying to catch up like it's what it's supposed to do but um that's it's nerve-wracking to have all that work in the books and then feel like you're like teetering on the edge of, of collapse with when the rate is you know approaching so quickly <laughs> i think that's just the nature of the beast with, with tapering so yeah you're I, you're making a connection that every amateur marathoner who's listening 
can connect with, that they understand those feelings. We've, we've been there. And part of why I asked you about where you had peaked before is your mileage at, at the level you were at, that's a lot different than the average runner who may over the course of three weeks get stale if they were only running, say, 40 miles a week and then tried to cut back for the better part of a month. Uh, yeah, you know, you you would put in some pretty serious work there for an extended time. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I mean, I just yeah, it was in the books, and so I just tried to believe that it was something I could lean back on, even though you know I wasn't feeling great, obviously. But uh, sure. it takes a while for that to go away when you've been been relatively consistent with it. And I felt like we, you know, we tended to do kind of maybe like three weeks up and then a little down week. Kind of that was kind of like the mm-hmm. the arc of the buildup. So yeah, trying to hit you know big mileage weeks like multiple times in a row was I think a big. That was something I, I really yeah, that was a goal for me because I knew that would help a lot um, rather than like a big week then a low week then a big week then a low week like trying to hold that um, just to get your body to be as efficient as it can when it's tired and and, and sore so. <laughs> So I have a race coming up in like six weeks, and the most important thing I need to ask you is about your mustache. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking I'm going race mustache. I've never really been one to be able to grow very good facial hair. I mean, you've done, but shoot, man, you've done mutton chops. You've, you got the mustache going now. Any tips, any secrets? We've had some discussions. Do I dye it? Do I do some just for men there, you know, just to get a little color to it? What's the key? Uh, I, I, no secrets on, on my end. I feel like it's pretty lousy. I, I've, uh, I feel like I've been working on it ever since my last year of, of college when I tried to grow one for, for cross country. And like, well, I'm like, I never really got there. I guess I'll just like keep trying and see where it goes. So here I'm still, still here with a, a mediocre stash. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, we are we're going to be in Atlanta for the trials. We can't wait to watch you out there. I can't wait to see how that what you call mediocre but I think beautiful stash <laughs> progresses from now till the end of February. Uh, we wish you the best of luck, man, and appreciate you uh being lighthearted with us here because we really are huge fans and this is a a great privilege for us to have you on the program. Oh, well, yeah, thanks so much for, for getting in touch with me. I, I'm not used to being able to, to share my my uh, story about things, so it's, it's cool to cool to be able to do that. So thank you guys so much for, for letting me <laughs> on your show. Yeah, for sure. Gerald Mock, uh, 210 marathoner at Chicago, second, Amer- second American, 62-plus last year and a half at Houston, former All-American at Colorado State University, and now twenty eight oh seven. Is that right on the road? PR in the ten k. Um, I think that's right. That was the as a Deseret News ten k. Is a is a lot of downhill. So I don't I don't I don't really count that. <laughs> so so we'll say twenty eight eleven from Stanford from your college <laughs> career. We'll go with that. Yeah, that's safer. <laughs> well, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us, and can't wait to see your success in the coming years. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's great to meet you guys. So keep it up. <laughs> thanks for listening to Mile 42 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. 
And thanks again to Gerald. We are so grateful he shared his time and experiences with us. You can email the show at secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. Now we'll sign off with a little taste of Gerald's music.